Hey, it's Lynn Galadner, and this is the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm founder of the Your People Marketing and PR Agency, and I lead the Make Meaning Movement, a platform that helps purpose-driven visionaries and leaders do business with meaning. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of how people dare to take chances to live the life they want with meaningful work and purposeful days. There are many ways to fill your life with meaning. Join us at makemeaning.org to learn more. Now, on to the show. Adrian Tanone is Director of Customer Service and the 24-Hour Economy Ambassador for the City of Detroit. He is also a co-founder of the Detroit Music Foundation, co-founder with hip-hop artist Kid Vicious of Sick M Records, and a member of Detroit's creative community. As such, Mayor Mike Dugan tagged Adrian to lead the City of Detroit's Film, Music, and Nighttime Economy Initiatives. Adrian, welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to have you, especially not only because of your wonderful background in so many different creative ways, but you are the city of Detroit's first 24-hour economy ambassador. So I'm going to start right there and ask you what that role entails and what is your main goal in that position? Well, you know, it really is, um, what it started with is, you know, I started as, as a founding director of customer service. And as we were, you know, bringing the culture back to how we serve our, you know, our, our constituents, our residents, our citizens, um, I being naturally being in the creative industry, we would, I would, you know, move around from office to office. And there's so many, um, you know, creatives that are in these offices, because we're known for, you know, music and automotive, we have an automotive industry, we don't have a music industry like we used to. So yeah. everyone is kind of displaced. So everyone's, well, how can I help? How can I do so? That turned into working with creatives to um, live, work, and play um, in the city. Um, there was um, in Amsterdam, uh, some uh, gentleman named Murek Milan was the first nightmare in um, in the world. Mm-hmm. And that was really about, you know, championing the, the economy from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. A lot of it is around, you know, venues and music and the gig economy and creatives. Um, so that's something that I was already doing and adopting here. Um, I went to um, actually Berlin. We have a very strong connection, Detroit Berlin connection. Hmm. Um, and the conversations had started. I came back and, you know, the mayor said, you know, who, who, you know, who thinks Adrian should do this job? We're in like a, in a, in a, um, like a town hall with all these creatives. And, um, I was chosen at that moment <laughs> to do that, and uh, and and I had my first interview, and they said, "Oh, you're the new night mayor of Detroit," and I said, "No, I said no. There's only one mayor in Detroit, and he's you know, he's so so. That's why we named it 24 Hour Economy." Awesome. I love it. I love it. So you're basically a bridge between government and the creative community advocating for a thriving and sustainable creative culture. So, like, what does that mean? How do you do that? So, so my, so we have Rochelle Riley, who's our director of arts, culture, and entrepreneurship. Right. She's really focused on a lot of the funding. Um, she's doing an artist relief program now. She's doing uh, many things around that. My role is with the, um, the venues, the festivals, the production companies in terms of how do we champion you in terms of what you're doing? How do we hire local? How do we create opportunity for, um, for artists and musicians to thrive? But at the same time, if you're having a festival in Detroit, how many Detroiters are 
are you hiring? How many, you know, food trucks are here that are proper, you know, food, you know, Detroit vendors and, you know, really adding the community impact onto um, these different um, activations that are going on and making sure that Detroiters are, are, are getting the jobs. You know, we talk about the 750,000 Detroiters that, you know, that stayed before Detroit started, you know, before Detroit's, you know, um, we'll call it a comeback. We've been here, but, you know, um, <laughs> But um, in terms of, you know, the resurgence, um, we have to make sure that the, the, the ones that stayed and a lot of these artists are the, 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 the ch- children of, of people that stayed. So it's, again, looking out for them and, and, um, and, and making sure that, uh, you know, that the, the opportunities are there first for, for Detroiters. So, again, it's, it's, it's a multi-tier approach. It's working with the venues for them to thrive and sustain. It's working with the brand around music. It's working with the artists. And again, if the artist has, you know, somewhere to work seven nights a week, then what are they? do then we work with the land bank and say hey artists you should own your house you know we'll go to the land bank own your own your property have you know insurance have your w9 a lot of artists are seeing now that a w9 was really important because that's how they would have gotten their payroll relief um and a lot of artists weren't able to get that because they they didn't do that so again it's it's really trying to sustain some an artist to live work play here in the city of detroit and, you know, we can't have this interview at this time in 2020 without acknowledging the, the major turmoil we're seeing this year with COVID-19 and how it's affected both the health of the city and the economy. And how has that impacted your work? And I mean, I know artists are some of the hardest hit people, although so many people are hit really hard at this time. So what are you seeing in relation to the fallout from covid uh, so, you know, in my work personally, I went back to a lot of customer service. Um, you know, we're running hotels for first responders. If you have someone at risk at home mm-hmm. and you can't go home, we have, you know, accommodations for you. So we've had um, three major hotels that we're running there. We're running that with all the first responder agencies across the board. Um, working with, you know, obviously Rochelle's doing some great things with Artist Relief. We're working on an initiative right now. It's a Detroit Unity Initiative to stay home, stay safe. Uh, responsible, diligent, and also mm-hmm. the census is very important, um, very important for the funding for the next 10 years. Um, so it's about um, convening. So what we've done is we've gone to all the venues and asked them to, you know, confirm an artist they would like to be part of this big Unity Festival we're doing. And we've gotten, you know, great uh, participation from Big Sean to Eminem to mm-hmm. Royce to Five Nine and Nisha Nache to um, Mayor Hawthorne to just all sorts of different people. So been working on this um, night and day in terms of creating the awareness and and unifying Detroit because in times like this is when um, you know, the politics of love should come into play to where you should, you should, you know, remember that we need to unify now and then hopefully sustainably unify when we get through this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's what we're trying to do now is, 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 is create meaning out of this and making sure that um, we grow from this and we grow together. Yeah, it's really a time of uncertainty and fear and, and unknown. I mean, we really don't know and, and scientists don't even know enough to understand the virus yet. Um, but we will come through it. And I, I love that idea, the politics of love and how we have to come together. We have to reimagine community and um, we will we will surmount the challenges. We just don't know what that's going to look like. But it sounds like you guys are you know not missing a beat and really um, looking to the future to keep Detroit strong and vibrant. And I know you'll do it. Yeah, so um, far, so good. You're only as good as your last performance, but <laughs> that's so true. So it's really yeah, true. Right. Absolutely. Wow. 
So, you know, it's funny because as I was uh, researching you and, and your illustrious career before our interview, um, it, and I work with a lot of cities actually in my marketing and PR work, small cities, and I do a lot of the communications, but I've never thought of municipal functions um, as customer service in that way. Of course they are, but, um, but this perspective of customer service, I think it can really change how a city delivers its services and interacts with residents. And so I wonder what you think about how this perspective of customer service can lead to a greater sense of connection and even community within the city. I mean, it's all about, you know, you look at major corporations and you look at, you know, major conglomerates and it's all about building a culture. Mm -hmm. And if you build a culture, which, you know, we call customer service, customer satisfaction to now we're hopefully a customer success, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But um, it's about, it's about unifying everyone to, to really be on the same page It's the simple things, you know, we have a, um, a curriculum called going above and beyond that we brought to the city and it became the culture for the city. And it's really, um, you know, modules that you already know, you know, smile, you know, return emails, things that are you even that are the most simplest thing, but sometimes they're just words on paper. If you don't live them, Mm -hmm. then it's something that, that they don't, doesn't mean anything. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's really enforcing and and holding, you know, uh, um, our city employees, our internal, external customer, um, you know, accountable to these things. So then they can go out, you know, a, a citizen or a resident or your coworker comes to you, you're on it. You're living by these, um, principles. And that's really what it is. It's if, if you live by these principles that are that are serving your fellow man and, and being on top of things and being dedicated and disciplined and focused, um, it, it, things start to become better and you be, start to become part of something that you feel that it's, you know, it's, um, you know, you're, 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 you're part of something special. And I think that's what we, you know, have, have seen um, before, you know, pre, pre-COVID-19 and what we're seeing now with people coming together. And hopefully when we, you know, when we go back, city employees started going back on Monday, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be sustainable. And, and people are, 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 are living this. It's not just about talking about it. That's what separates um, great municipalities to those that just kind of go through the, the, through the, you know, the motions. Not to say that anyone is. I'm not calling anyone out. I'm just saying, <laughs> no. you know, for our own accountability, it's, it's about um, going above and beyond for your, for your fellow man. Well, I love that. I love that. And what you're saying is that it's really very simple. I mean, returning an email seems like a no-brainer. And of course, we want to make sure that we're communicating and we're transparent. And sometimes it's just overwhelmed. You know, we can't get to everything, all the emails in the inbox. But sometimes the simplest the simplest tasks are the ones that go the furthest, that have the biggest impact, because then people know that they're heard, they know that they matter, and they count. And, and I think that that's what good customer service is all about. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. So um, I want to know a little bit about you. Tell me a little bit about your background, um, you know, like where you grew up and how you got this inspiration and drive and became such an ambassador for the city of Detroit. So I grew up on the west side of Detroit. Uh, my parents, my family was in the restaurant business, still in the restaurant business today, but um, we had a place on Schaefer and Finkel. And I always say, you know, at three years old, they had me washing dishes. I always say if child labor laws were practiced, um, my whole family would be in jail. 
Um, <laughs> but we were, yes, definitely. Um, but we were, um, you know, we were, uh, I'm first generation American. All my family's from Italy and uh-huh. still have family all there now today. And, um, so just grew up in a family that was just, um, came here as immigrants and, um, started, uh, the restaurant and, and was really into community and, um, kind of instilled the same morals in me and, and, and came up, uh, I don't know, was just involved in the city and, and, and always, always, it was mm-hmm. always something that just kind of came natural. I think, you know, I, I despised the restaurant business at one point. I have a, <laughs> can I share a quick story? Of, yes, of my please. Life in the restaurant please. Business? Yes. So, uh, this tells you how old I am. So it's, uh, but, uh, 1991, <laughs> 1991, okay. I'm a senior in high school uh-huh. and my parents sent me to a school in the suburbs. Um, you know, kind of a high-end school just to kind of get me to, you know, pay attention to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and one of my best friends was uh, was being recruited all over the, the country to play basketball. Mm-hmm. And one day he came, um, Friday morning, he came to school and he says, uh, be ready tonight. Magic Johnson's bringing, you know, picking us up at eight o'clock and bringing you and I out to dinner. Oh my and gosh. Yeah, yeah, right. And Magic was playing for the Lakers at the time. So it was okay. like, you know, it was like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, big deal. <laughs> Big deal, big yes. deal, right? Yep. Um, so I get home and I'm, and you know, I'm, you know, real all day in school. I'm real excited, but I'm keeping it cool, this, that. And I go home and I ask, uh, I say to my mom and dad, I said, uh, I said, mom, dad, you're not going to believe this. I said, uh, Magic Johnson's picking us up for dinner tonight. My dad <laughs> looks at me with his, you know, first generation, you know, it- Italian accent, you know, still broken English, you know, he uh-huh. says, what are you talking about, man? You working tonight? (laughs) (laughs) My parents made me work, you know? Yeah. My parents parents made me work and, um, I despised the restaurant business, despised it, despised it, despised it. Mm -hmm. Um, my father passed away in, in, uh, 93, a few years later. And I went to, um, Italy and, and I, um, worked in a famous hotel there, Hotel Cipriani. And I realized that there was much more to the restaurant business than what my parents, you know, made me work all the time and this and that and just Mm -hmm. had a natural I think a natural knack through you know through (laughs) through them pushing me and and not giving me a choice and Uh I joined my mother in the restaurant and used used food to um, gather people around the table and Uh come up with action plans and and go out into you know different areas and serve the community and that's Mm -hmm. just really how naturally how I um, you know I don't think public service, I don't think you choose it. It chooses you. So I think I look back from, you know, from when I was a kid that I always had that mentality of just, you know, cleaning up blight or, um, you know, serving others or whatever it may be. And it just kind of naturally came into, you know, I really enjoyed the customer satisfaction side of things when people came into the restaurant, mm-hmm. um, a restaurant we still have today and in, in actually in Farmington Hills called Cafe Cortina. That, um, oh my goodness, it's, it's I love still, Cafe Cortina. That's oh, fantastic. You, yeah. Right? That's, that's interesting. So all the curriculum that I have in the city comes from there. So that's like the proving ground of, oh. um, you know, of the curriculum. So it's just, again, how do you, you know, someone walks into your doors and how do you make them go home? Like, I want someone to wake up the next morning, like you read a good book or see a great movie and be like, oh my gosh, what did I just experience? Like, yeah. very very casual, very, you know, but yet very impactful in terms of you're important. And, you know, we're, we don't know how long we have on the, in this world. We don't know what, you know, but we're going to make it the best and we're going to treat you the best. And I think if everyone thought like that, um, 
that it would, you know, make the world a better place. And, and we have to be the change that we want to see. Nothing's ever perfect. There's always mm-hmm. issues. There's always something. But how do you, you know, um, you know, stay positive first and, and, and try to, um, you know, try to rise above whatever the, the issues are. And, and the restaurant business taught me a lot about that in, in business and entrepreneurship and whatever it may be. So that's how, you know, that's where the foundation is with my family and with um, the people that I was surrounded by growing up and um, just real genuine people, um, you know, and, and, and uh, I'm, I'm reminiscing now. <laughs> there's, there's I haven't so had a moment to do that. No, I, I love it. I actually love it. It's a, you know, I was a journalist before I got into marketing and PR and I have found time and time again that the best nuggets and details come at the end of the conversation and we're not quite there yet. We will be soon, but, um, but letting people be human and hearing their story is, is the core of everything. You know, years ago I used to write about food and I didn't, I didn't review restaurants. I wrote about how food was a coming together, how it was a way to transmit tradition and to build relationships and to, you know, share life. I mean, and you're so right that if we had, if we had the knowledge of how much time we really have here on earth, would we waste it the way we do, you know, and in, in taking things for granted and, um, I don't know. I think we would make different decisions. I think everybody should listen to what you just said and, and follow it. It would make such a better world. So I'm grateful that, you, that you're riffing. It's awesome. So before I get back to your work with the city of Detroit, I would love to hear just a little bit about your experience in the creative economy um, before you took this role with the city. And so I know that you co-founded the Detroit Music Foundation um, and Sick M Records. Can you talk a little bit about your experience um, with creatives and and as a founder, a driver in, in those industries? Uh, yeah, you know what? I, uh, I grew up around, um, you know, around hip hop. Uh, uh, there's an artist, Royce to five, nine, who's been one of my best friends for, you know, 20 something years. Um, his younger brother is also an artist. They're on, you know, the road with, with Marshall, with Eminem, they're doing great things, very relevant today, uh, great leaders mm-hmm. and just been around, you know, that in terms of music, I was up at, at Michigan state managing bands and, you know, always had that, you know, that music in me and traveling across the country and, you know, all that. And, and I was more like, you know, I, I play instruments, I play music, but I also like, I like the admin side of it. I like the business side of it. I like the development side of it. Um, and I just, like I said, going in as, um, you know, it's all part of entertainment. It's all part of hospitality. It's all part, like when you, you know, even at a show when, when we are in the green room, mm-hmm. we like treat it like it's a restaurant. You know what I mean, if someone mm-hmm. comes in, you, you're treated well. Artists mm-hmm. are not only just world-class artists, but how do we, you know, how do we guide and mold them to be world-class citizens? So again, all of our artists on our label all go through the above and beyond curriculum because it's just about like when they're, you know, get to a point where they're, you know, touching others and making a difference. How do they inspire someone else? How do they you know, make someone feel important, make someone feel, you know, valued. Um, so um, I just think that with that and with Detroit having such a rich music history, it was just, um, it's part of our DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to be in the business. And then, you know, we have, you know, the mayor has really, the way he's really uh, applied his knowledge and his expertise in, 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 in picking his leadership and picking people that um, are relevant in what they do and they bring their that value to the city is, is brilliant. I mean, the way he's put together an administration, a team, um, you know, being some of the best they are in within their business and what makes me relevant in terms of 
being customer service or being in music is that, that I am in the industry and you understand the needs of the industry. You understand the needs of the people mm-hmm. and you're able to apply it in government. Um, so it's just, um, it's something that, uh, I, I think you, 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 you can't, if you don't know it, eat it, breathe it, sleep it, how can you be one that's, that's leading it uh, from a municipality standpoint? I love it. I love it. So Detroit isn't the first city to designate a 24-hour ambassador. I know New York and Washington, D.C. created similar positions. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder um, if you could tell me why is this an important role in this day and age? And how has this role changed or evolved, you know, recently? And how do you see it sort of taking a um, a new position as we go forward? You know, nightlife and and has always been, um, you know, part of an ecosystem of a city, right? That's what attracts people to a city. That's what mm-hmm. pays bills for a lot of people that pay rent in cities. Um, but it was never really looked at as a, you know, um, it was kind of taboo in a sense, right? There was, mm-hmm. you know, obviously late night scenes aren't the most, you know, sometimes they're seedy scenes, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. I advocate on things that are above board. And, and, and if they're not, I try to get them above board. Right. Okay. Um, exactly. hundred um, <laughs> percent. But everyone says, you know, you know, I'll walk into a room and they're, oh, here comes the party. I'm like, no, you want to see a 24 hour, a real 24 hour economy? Go to Henry Ford Hospital. When mm. a doctor, a nurse, a, a janitor gets out at five, six in the morning, is there a restaurant to go to? Is there a dry cleaner? Is there a grocery store? Those are more mm-hmm. jobs. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, there's cities should be going all night. That's more tax base. That's more, you know, that's more variety for people that get off on late night shifts. Again, part of customer success is showing them that they're valued and they're important, not just, you know, go home and go to bed, get up, go back to work. Like we have something for you in this city too. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, so again, there's a, um, I think that the position is evolving all the time, but again, it's about really bottom line. It's about driving jobs and creating, um, you know, um, putting food on the table for people because, you know, people, that's what they do. It's not that it's sometimes it's not a choice. This is what they do. It's really interesting because we we inhabit the hours that we keep and we don't understand that really it is a 24-hour economy. Like I've been to the produce terminal at two in the morning and I see everything that happens to get the produce into grocery stores that we just take for granted when we show up in the morning. And, um, you know, I have a son who used to row um, down on the Detroit River and I would be driving him before he had his license to his practice, which started at a quarter to five. And I'd pass the Chrysler plant where the shift was changing and there was so much activity. And, it, and you're right, there has to be a place to grab breakfast. There has to be a place to, or dinner or whatever it is at that point that, um, that we're not aware of unless we're there. And so we have to, I think, become aware that there are many different ways to live this life and speak to all those needs. Absolutely. Yes. You must be quite an extrovert, and I wonder how you maintain your energy with such an active and engaged schedule, um, and and at different hours too. Uh, you know, it just it is what it is. I um, you know, I've lately I've because of work and because of just having to um, do some things that I, I really didn't have a choice. I've been out and about uh, responsibly, but for the first um, probably three weeks, I have not stayed home for in 20 years. Like I stayed yeah. home. You know? <laughs> I almost at a point as much as we were going through and as much as families have, have experienced and, you know, and, and I'm not like very aware of what's been going on. It's, it's, it's actually caused some mental health and paranoia in, oh. in, in a sense. Um, I yeah. think it has 
test for everybody. But when you're talking about the numbers every day and you're hearing and you're working with first responders, um, but um, staying home these last few weeks has really like, um, and I think for, I think about a lot of families that have kids and fathers that are mothers that are working all the time. And yeah. um, to have this time, um, if there is anything that is a positive out of this, it's that people got to, um, you know, to, to really um, get to know their families again and get to bond with their families and get to have these memories that bring you closer together because the world is moving so fast all the time. Yeah. You don't have those opportunities. Yeah. So, so I've, I've, you know, I've, I've slept more than um, I, I have in years, you know, I was, for <laughs> years, for years, it was four, four hours a night, you know, uh-huh. for, for years, but uh-huh. um, you know, now we're getting like six or seven. So Good job. <laughs> so, <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah, well, Adrian Tanone, it's really a pleasure to speak with you. And I want to close with the question I ask every guest on this show. Um, So we're the Make Meaning Podcast, and we always focus on how people find meaning and live and work with purpose. And I usually finish each show by asking my guest what permission slip they would offer to our listeners. So what permission would you tell listeners to give themselves to set them on the path toward identifying their meaning and living with purpose? I think, so this is off the cuff and I'm just, I'm giving, yeah. you know, I'm giving news. Um, I, I say my permission to, to be yourself, to be genuine, to be real, to, 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 to be a stand up person that um, no matter what comes to you is just give your best, always give your best. And, and, and that's all anybody can ask from you is, is giving your, your, your hundred percent um, and, and, and hopefully things will work out. Things don't, obviously there's so many issues that, that we all as humans endure and, and, and experience and you just kind of, you know, easier said than done. It might not be in, in five minutes, but in, in whatever time it takes to lift your head up and just, and, and keep moving and, and every day do something kind for, for one person or several people and be your part of, of making change and, and be the change that you want to see. I love it. I love it. Well, Adrian, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for asking. It's really been nice to uh, to talk with you today. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here, join us over at makemeaning.org to discover how you can add more meaning to your life. And hey, if you like our conversations, please subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world. 